Good afternoon, all the peeps that might be listening to this. I did make it plural. I was very optimistic. Well, and welcome peeps to include my chickens, too. Yeah. Welcome to your dog's best life. And that is my computer putting notifications in. There. Can't hear. Took care of that. Well, that's good. <laughs> and uh, I think up on for discussion this week is all things puppy noshing. Puppies chewing because puppies somebody chewing. somebody here has a litter of puppies. Yes, and their teeth just came in. Oh, how exciting. Wee. How old are they again? Remind me. Three weeks. So what are puppies at three weeks doing? I saw the little video of them howling, and that is wicked, wicked cute. I'm just going to put that on my computer and just watch it fucking 24-7. So. Yeah, that's what the world oh needs right now yeah. is oh two-and-a-half-week-old puppies howling. Oh, my God. It was, yeah, it's, oh my God. it's ridiculous. Yes. So at three weeks, they are little drunken sailors. Oh. They are trying to dog, and they don't have the neural motor <laughs> skills for it. Um, the other day... One of them was getting ready to pounce on his brother. And, of course, that takes a lot of coordination. And by the time he had it all sorted out, his brother was clear on the other side of the pen. But he was already in launch mode, like they're past the point of no return. And so he geared himself up and launched for his brother, who was in a different time zone, and smashed his head clear into the side of the whelping pen. (laughs) Thankfully, every bone is super soft. Yes. Yeah. No. No. He just sneezed a few times and went out about his went out about his business. But yeah, they're getting teeth now, which means mom is only Not... feeding them one like medically necessary. <laughs> She's like, feed them or let them die. I Choices. have. <laughs> I have a fantastic video of her laying on the couch, and the puppies are just screaming their little heads off and she's sitting there tilting her head listening to them and I titled it wow they sound hungry somebody should really do something about that (laughs) (laughs) she made not one move to get off the couch so yeah it doesn't it doesn't matter the species at some point moms everywhere get tired of dealing with that sort of thing and that does usually coincide with the eruption of teeth Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah. So, so what started this whole conversation was, and we didn't even get in a fight. I think that's really important, was a Facebook conversation. <laughs> where... Well, we didn't get in a fight because I had actual work to do and I had to go do that rather than keep responding. But I don't think there were any follow-up cons. I don't think there were any concepts or uh, comments that would have caused us, that would have triggered a fight. Oh, that's I, good. Yeah, no, I think it was actually fairly amenable, which is, I can speak for myself, incredibly unusual for Facebook interactions. So the question was, about um i don't know if it was a puppy at that point yeah i mean i've been who cares yes the, it was a puppy a the dog old puppy yeah the dog was like chewing on this chick and she's like how do i make my puppy stop chewing on me and obviously we um you know i guess i guess the you know there's a lot to go with on that so mm-hmm. because part of it is, is is the puppies need to have learned puppy a bite control not bite inhibition bite inhibition means not biting at all but bite control which means don't bite me so hard that the game stops you know it's stop punching your brother but i'm not punching hard enough and we're still playing kind of a deal right so they need to learn bite control and they learn that generally from mom and each other (laughs) when they're like (laughs) i'm taking my ball my bat i'm going home you little turd and then on top of that 
people that I find often ignore their puppies when the puppies are showing, trying to elicit play until the puppy has become so persistent that the person now shrieks and runs away, which is the coolest game ever. So much fun. Yeah. And then they create a situation where the puppy has learned how to create play by biting the owners. And I'm a big believer. I actually play, I do wrestle with my dogs. I do face slap games and, you know, open mouth, they open their mouth with a little alligator and I kind of slap their little face a little bit softly. And we play mouth wrestling games and I'll let them chew on my feet and I'll let them chew on my shoes if they're on my feet, not loose. And I will allow my dogs to bite me. Some people don't. It's just a personal matter of opinion. Um, but I think the important thing, and and I got this term from J-Jack, um, but I've believed in it for a long time. It just didn't have a cool name, which is creating windows of opportunity. When is it appropriate to play? How do we institute or instigate play with our puppies? How do we ensure that our puppies don't aren't in the driver's seat? And how do we make sure that our puppies are orienting on toys if that's our preferred method of play over yeah. our hands yeah and you know what's funny is that i so i have lord voldemort von sissy pants the third esquire um who is a five pound chihuahua soaking <laughs> wet and as a puppy you know and i don't care what people say about little dogs they can hurt you like he's got some serious you know foot pound pressure in those little teeth and um so i started when he was little um using my fingers to wrestle with so he would play tug of war with my finger um because it's a great way to teach the uh, how hard can i actually bite before this goes sideways kind of thing um and he has fantastic uh control now when we play um and I, I'm, I'm the same way with with my guys it's i'm gonna have my hands in your mouth you know we're both vet techs i can i can do like the you know head in the lion's mouth thing with my aussie i can open her mouth and stick my hand in there and stick my face in her mouth and whatever else i mean we've built up to that but still it's I want them to know the difference between I'm playing and you can be a little more rough or I'm not playing and you better keep your teeth to yourself. Um, so I don't know. That's something I, I, I work on too, because it's, it's human nature to want to wrestle with your dog. It's also human nature not to want to bleed while you're doing it. God, we're such babies. I know. <laughs> well, and that's what I want them to learn too, is that mom is a big wuss and you have to be so careful with her. Yeah. Well, yeah, because we know that dogs can play, you know, Billy the Kid, my livestock guardian dog, can play when Tag came here. Tag was, you know, probably 12 pounds soaking wet, and Billy the Kid was well over 80 pounds. And other, okay, other than smashing her and sitting on her, mm -hmm. uh, every, <laughs> the bite play, at least, <laughs> was very puppy appropriate. She, you know, they, they're not stupid. They understand. It's the same way as adults know how to pull their punches when they're play fighting with children. I mean, that's all hardwired into the carnivore's brain and how to play mm -hmm. with each other and not, and even herbivores. I mean, you see horses playing and the mare won't kick her full through the fence. Through the I mean, fence. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> that's not a good way to keep having foals. So I guess the first question is, is how do we, how do we start, how do we introduce play to our puppies? 
when we, we get our cute little eight week old puppy and we have to understand that the behaviors that we instill in this cute little puppy are going to be behaviors we're going to deal with when they're an 80 pound German shepherd or a 80 pound pit bull or a 45 pound border collie or what have you. So the behaviors that we allow to occur when they're eight weeks old are going to be the behaviors that we're going to essentially be buying in an adult dog. So we have to make those decisions right from the beginning of what is allowed right. and what is not allowed. And my first thing as, as a puppy raising geek would be say, don't get your puppy at eight weeks old. <laughs> my first thing would be to say, get your puppy at 10 weeks old and let the litter and mom do some of that work for you. Um, because they learn a lot between eight and 10 weeks on bite inhibition, because that's when they start really playing hard with each other and get that feedback from each other. Um, on little sharp teethies. On their little sharp teethies, yeah. And trying that with mom and getting, you know, hopefully appropriate corrections from her. Um, but un understandably, I, from the puppy raising side of it and from the puppy buying side of it, it's uh, hard to wait until 10 weeks because everybody wants their puppy. And if you're raising a litter of 10 puppies like I did last time, you want them out of the house before you have to <laughs> clean up poop one more time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that would be the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say is begin as you mean to go on, which means when you get that eight-week-old puppy home and it starts tugging on your, you know, pants sleeve, um, think to yourself, is this something I'm going to be okay with in six months? And chances are no, even though it's not a big deal now and it's kind of adorable, in six months it's going to be a pain in the butt and you're going to trip and, you know, possibly injure yourself and, and the dog. So it's it's one of those things where if you're not going to find it cute in six months, don't allow it now. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And so um, let's talk about the rules because, I mean, everybody has – we the, the thing about raising a puppy, just like raising a child or raising a spouse, is <laughs> creating – is creating rules. And – and people kind of balk from that. They, you know, they, we like to live in this laissez-faire world where there are no rules. And, and yes, I, I permit my dogs quite a few um, felonies, as it were, on a regular basis. Uh, my dogs have very few rules. But I do, I do ensure that they, they understand them. And I start building that rule, those rule constructs when they're when they first come into the house whatever age they may be so when a puppy comes into your house because we're different and and uh -huh. so we're going to kind of look at different perspectives unfortunately i have a feeling they probably dovetail and we're both going to be like yep that's what i do um <laughs> <laughs> but in the event that that's not how that happens um what happens when you get your eight ten whatever week old puppy into your house when it comes to play um so for me uh, probably the first thing I work on, not necessarily intentionally, just because that's how I do it, is I start the game, I end the game, um, and I can end it at any point. So, um, so, so I, I like tug. I like to use tug because it keeps a toy between me and the little needle teeth. 
and because it's a really handy reinforcer to have um, for a lot of reasons. And I just find that most puppies at that age have a pretty good chase instinct. So you start with a tug toy on the floor and you wiggle it around and they're like, oh, prey, I'm big hunting, you know, wolf, hear Mm -hmm. my roar. And they pounce on it and they grab it and they want to shake it and tug and everything else. Um, And I love this because, again, you have that toy between you and the teeth. You have this opportunity to get them wound up and then stop play, um, which I think that being able to self-interrupt play and and soothe or calm themselves in the middle of play is really, really important. Um, so I can, I can take that toy away and then, you know, wait for them to sit and then, okay, let's play again um, and get them going again. So that's probably one of the very first things that I do when it comes to play is getting them chasing and tugging and then learning, learning how to stop. Yes. Yes. And I, and, and so I, we are in the same boat. So I do the same thing. I, I, I really want to instill a strong, um, kind of fight in my puppy. I really want my puppy to get down and dirty and and really feel fierce and, and win a lot when they're babies. And, but I want them really feel like they're put up a monster fight and to win, to capture their prey. And, um, I'll allow them to do the runaway, shake the toy. I own it parading around thing I'll do that some people really don't ever let them leave but I'm it's it's their game so I kind of let them play by their rules I do want them coming back and generally they'll learn that I'm that I'm cooler than just shaking it and running away with it but I also want my dogs to learn to self-entertain and uh, because I I'm I have six and a half dogs and if I played with my dogs, because they're Border Collies, and most of them are Border Collies. Border Collies are uh, snobs, and <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're not dogs. They think that playing with another dog is really quite below them. So they're not really keen on playing with one another, hurting one another, yes, um, but, and chasing each other, but not, not playing. There's no roughhousing really going on between the Border Collies, not usually. And so there's not a lot of dog on dog. Don't buy a border collie to entertain your other puppy. They're just going to stare at your yeah. puppy and go, yeah. yeah, you're below me. What are you doing? I'm, you're, you're, you'll behave cheap. I'm just going to put my paws on you until you stop. So, yeah. They, so, are fan, they are fantastic for teaching brand new puppies uh, rules, regulations, and boundaries, however. As long as those rules, regulations, and boundaries are don't ever even consider play in my presence because it's just wrong. Yeah. No, seriously. That's, I mean, that's why I adore my border collie is because when these puppies hit about six weeks, they're going to go out in the yard with uncle tag and they'll go uncle tag, uncle tag. And they'll run up to him and he will do the look capital T capital L (laughs) and they'll go, Oh, uncle tag, sir. Um, (laughs) Would you, would you mind terribly, sir, if we played in your general vicinity, sir, thank you. And that's, and that's how they learn, you know, manners, yeah. manners and respect. Yeah. Not, not everybody wants to play all the time. So because, because my dogs will not self entertain or cannot entertain each other because they're all snobs. I do want my dogs to learn to play with an object without me. 
I mean, yeah. yes, I, I want them to play with objects with me, but I also want them to play with objects without me. And honestly, I'm cheap. And I don't yeah. go, I do go to the store when I get a new puppy and I buy every single sheep, cow, um, or horse, if I can find it, related toy because they're herding uh-huh. dogs and that's what they herd. Um, no one ever has like geese and ducks always look like they're belong in the mouth of a Labrador retriever. So I don't get ducks and bring uh-huh. them home because they're cute. And, but the toy that I find that's the best for my puppy is literally an empty water bottle they just love it the crinkling it's very satisfying they can smash it they can mangle it once it's totally annihilated i can throw it away and it costs me nothing because i just had to find people who drink out of those i don't drink out of those but people do so um so i want them to learn to self-entertain because for me especially with these high drive dogs there is no way on this planet i'm going to keep them entered if it's a rainy day my God, I can't give him a crossword puzzle. Go entertain yep. yourself. Read War and Peace and come back to me with a you know forty page report. They're they they're not going to do that. So, but they want to. <laughs> so, um, so I need to find a way that I'm not forced to be the entertainment all day. So I want them to self entertain. And the rule with the toys in my house is toy they have access to toys twenty four seven. And they are permitted to grab the toy, run around the house with the toy. Cody does this weird thing where she travels through the house with them and transport them. They they migrate. They're migratory tours. All of a sudden, ah. she'll have seven yeah. toys on her bed upstairs. And then over the course of a day, they'll slowly migrate down to the middle of the living room. And I'm like, yeah. okay, whatever, floats your boat. And then Dice will randomly pick a toy that must be murdered, and he'll shred it unless I save it because I'm like, that's a nice toy. You get to shred this toy instead. I know how much that toy costs. <laughs> well, it's the cute sheep toy that I got for Tag when she was a puppy. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> and it must live as long as Tag. It must live as long as Tag. So, but I, but again, my when I play, when I... I open the door, I open the window for play, and I say, I throw it open and say, let's play. I use a very clear marker that states we will be playing. It's literally a Donald Duck sound. It's really embarrassing. And I discovered <laughs> recently that it actually serves as a marker. I shot a video of myself playing with Tag, or um, doing heel work, heel work with Tag. And she did something real exciting, really amazing, probably healed. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, damn, my dog understands something. And I went, and she went, oh my God, oh my God. We're going to play. <laughs> She's got all wiggly and silly. And I'm like, oh, I've turned that into a marker. Which it's is amazing how that worked. Super worked. cool. So they do have a marker. And I can do that because she's not in the house. She's outside. <laughs> outside. And. And my other dogs are like, oh, they both looked up. They're like, oh, crap, is tagging. <laughs> <laughs> is that going to begin? Oh, no, we have to leave the room. Um, and and then when the toy, when we're done, I just use the same thing that I use when I'm talking about herding and stock. And I'm like, that'll do. That yep. means it's, it's all over. And that way I don't have to create more words. And um, that'll it's do. It's interesting. Actually, I just had this conversation with another trainer friend the other day because I'm working on some self-control things with later my Aussie and I realized that she cannot handle excessive praise and excitement you know like with a lot of my dogs I I used to tell people when I was teaching class like if you don't sound like a cheerleader on crack you're not doing it right (laughs) like if the neighbors are not looking over the fence wondering (laughs) what is she on you're not using enough enthusiasm and I just realized that it it ramps her up so much that she can't 
focus after that. Um, and so I said to her, I, I now I understand where that'll do comes from because that's really all she can handle in that moment is, is just that'll do. You're, you're good. You're done. Yeah. You're done. We're, we're, that's that'll do. Um, so it was just funny because that you said that because I was like, yeah, um, I've had to adjust some some training methods here recently. Yeah. Well, in my Aussie, I can't, I cannot, I mean, Ruby, there's no cheerleading Ruby. Ruby is, I think I'm crack all the time. I don't know where she's getting it. I don't know where she gets the money. I'm kind of worried about that. And, um, but she clearly has some sort of habit and she is, there's, oh my God, there's so much dog there. Mm-hmm. I can't believe people lived with this dog in a yard and her off switch is a work in progress when she's in the, like in my presence, but, but anywhere, oh my God, she's, she's the coolest dog to work with because she's through the freaking roof 24 seven. And she's learning to think in that, in that mental frame, which is, that's the hard thing. Of course, you're dealing with that with later, which she always seems so calm to me. Um, <laughs> maybe it's just the pictures. Um, you she know, was, you she know was, like, so the... calm in the pictures. <laughs> You know, in the movies, like the those action adventure movies, the quiet guy that you just never see coming, like right before utter chaos and mayhem breaks loose and they just kind of get that little smirk on their face and then, you know, that's all weird. hell breaks loose. Yeah, that's her. She's like, I am sweet and innocent and tiny and cute. And then the gloves yeah, come you, off. Yeah. And then you blink. And the next thing you know, there's a dog on your head and you're not entirely sure what happened. Yeah. No, Ruby offered me the coolest behavior that I'm trying to shape into something useful. She, when I got her, she had this, oh my God, she was the worst jumper onto people. And I, and she, everything she does has this manic desperation to it. It's just, oh my God, she's so insane. And when she jump on you, which is a a behavior that I really do not dig in my own dogs. I'm not a big fan of dogs jumping on me. And when she would jump on you, she would rake the shit out of you with her claws i mean it was a super manic psychotic jumping and it was the second you let her out of her crate she's like spinning in circles and jumping on you and screaming and doing all the she's a joy and (laughs) so we've broken all these these habits we've gotten rid of the spinning we've gotten rid of the screaming we've gotten rid of the jumping but i've replaced i replaced the jumping with a touch command and so what i did is i simply taught her touch and then i lift my my hand up to my shoulder or higher and have her touch on the hand way out away from me. So she can use all that energy by sprunging pointlessly into the air. And that's, yeah. and then she, when she's done being an idiot, then I can pet her like a non psycho. So she was running at me one day out. We were down heading down to the chicken coop or whatever. And what they do is they run ahead and then they remember that I'm there and they come charging back at me and they just rinse and repeat so she comes charging up at me, is facing me, does a full in the air, cool as shit, 360, ending up facing away from me. And I'm like, dude, that would be the coolest catch for disc. Yes. If I can get it. So I immediately mark it and I'm like, oh my God, that's the coolest thing. So I've been working on that, but I'll never get that from my border collies. They'd be like, um, yeah, that's a lot of wasted energy. We need that for sheep. We're serious dogs. Mm-hmm. 
Whereas the Aussie is like, wee! She doesn't, she saw the sheep and she bounces at them and then eats shit and bounces at them and eats shit. She's not a pretty <laughs> dog. So anyway. Uh, yeah. So there's no uh, lacking in energy in energy for her. And she also, because she came from people who I suspect permitted her to drive play in their house. And in her case, it's ball work and, and uh-huh. fetching. And I want to talk about fetching in a couple of seconds because I yes. have some very strong feelings about throwing throwing a ball um and so she's a habitual ball dog i mean like i had to i ended up having to remove every single out we had balls outside kind of randomly that dogs have dropped over the years Uh and i've had to slowly bring them all i can't have them inside and i've thrown them on the roof because she drops in the spa when i'm in the spa and um she's habitual and and there was never a closed window for this dog so she just has this and I think it's anxiety inducing. I think it's bad for their brain. I think she just, she can't control the environment and she can't control when I'm going to throw the ball. And so she's just, she literally, the second you go outside, grabs a ball and runs around with it in her mouth the entire time you're outside. And it's, I think that's, that's a really a problem for her. And she still cannot, she struggles to self-entertain. I mean, to the point where in the house, I will see her self-entertain and I have to be super careful. I'll be like, Yes, yeah. that'll do. <laughs> because because I can't go. Yes, because she'll be like, "Oh my God, let's bounce off your head. Let me grab a ball. Let me squeak it in your face." Oh my God, you talk to me. So I have to be like, "Good girl." <laughs> yes, yes. So let's talk about ball play because we both own herding dogs. Yeah, and um, we um i play disc with several of my herding dogs and um but i think that ball play i think there's i think there's a lot to be unpacked with ball play so let's start with what where you start with ball play and we'll kind of go from there where i start with ball play is i have effed it up entirely with my dogs <laughs> And that's why it's important to me. <laughs> so this is, this is don't do as I did. Is that yeah, what this is? <laughs> yeah, this is learn from my mistake. So I had a border collie. I had two small children. I had a decent-ish yard and I had no sheep. So I bought into that once popular and still sometimes popular on local dog training group pages philosophy of... If your dog is giving you behaviors you don't like, you need to tire them out. Nobody ever told me you cannot tire out a border collie. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. So we would go outside in the morning and I would throw the ball for half hour, 45 minutes. And then um, we would come in. And this is when I lived in New York. So you could do that without both of us dying from heat exhaustion. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And then I'd come home and he'd go in his crate and I would go to work or I'd do the mom thing or whatever else until the evening. And then I'd take him out and I would throw the ball for another half hour, 45 minutes. Oh my God. This is a super fit dog. Uh-huh. And now I have a border collie that when I walk outside goes, what are you going to throw? You're going to throw something, right? What are you going to throw? 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 And the only time that's replaced is when I pick up the hose to water something. And he's like, I get to chase the hose. Oh yeah. It's the, the water. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, yeah, if you have a border collie, don't do that. Um, the other side effect to that is I don't have a lot of outside toys for the dogs because their favorite toys are 
balls or stuffed animals. And I'm not going to have stuffed animals outside because then I'll have fluff everywhere. No, it looks like roadkill too when they get all rained on. Because uh-huh. Billy moves them around the property and you'll just see this like sad flat thing. And you're like, oh my God, what is that? Oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's a catch-22. Um, like, it, it can be really great. And I love a dog that fetches. You just got to be careful of the dogs you do it with because, you know, it's, I was real careful about never playing with a laser with him because I knew those dangers, right? You never play yep. laser with a with a border collie or end up with a light, light chaser. Yep. Um, so I never did that. But it never occurred to me that... Uh, ball chasing or toy obsession um, could actually become a problem and become an obsessive behavior. Well, they're border collies. They can turn anything into obsessive yeah. behavior. Well, you know, again, things <laughs> things I had to learn the hard way. <laughs> so so my first, my first dog that I owned as an adult it was, her name was Scrapper, and she was a little border collie mixed thing. And um, she was, I went, I trained horses all over the country and so at the time what you had is she was called a truck dog which meant she went to the stable with me every day and um and traveled around in my truck that's what they did in the cab because I wasn't a barbarian and she she was an addi- she was addicted to fetching of any kind um you know because we were at the barn so we we were cruel we'd throw like horse apples <laughs> <laughs> okay we were bored okay and um but she she was a ball chaser then she became an amazing disc dog I mean before there was such a thing as disc dogs and just just a fantastic little dog but there was enough other things in her life that it she was obsessed to some extent like she couldn't drink water without having the ball with it. like every single ball and frisbee that she owned was drenched because she'd take it to the water dish and drop it in the water dish so she can keep an eye on it so it doesn't escape a little bit of border collie there and then she'd bring it back and so but that wasn't the primary way she got her exercise and I think that's where we have to really err on the side of caution and I think what happens with people is is they get these high drive dogs um, they get the border collie the Aussie the cattle dog um, maybe a working line um, Labrador retriever and they say, well, I don't have a job for this dog. I'm not buying a, a herd of sheep. I'm not buying a, a, or a flock of sheep. I'm not buying a herd of cattle. I'm not going duck hunting anytime soon. So mm-hmm. what am I going to do? I'm not going to quit my job and run the mountains all day, become an ultra marathoner. And the walk doesn't cut it. So I'm going to throw the ball for 10 hours straight. Well, I think... It do, I think it does create an, I think it becomes an addiction. I mean, I think, I mean, I'm always super cautious about using the words that are used in human psychology on dogs. Um, cause I, cause I don't, and I don't know anything about addiction, but it becomes an obsession and it's not good. It's a bad obsession uh-huh. and in, and it's bad for their freaking joints. It's terrible for their joints and it's a non-thinking behavior. Yeah. It, takes no thought and that for me is the big problem because now you've you know you've created this dog who is like insanely fit but still mentally just pinging off the walls and now you've gotten yourself into this massive catch-22 where you'll never 
now you're going to have to quit your job and start bike joring with your dog 24 seven, or you're going to have your, I don't, you know, there's nowhere else to go because the dog's brain is still running around like a hamster on a wheel. The dog is now so fit that it can run six marathons and you're only providing it with half a marathon a day. Uh-huh. Um, and I do, and, and again, I throw, so I have two ball dogs two ball dogs. That's it. Uh, of the six and a half dogs I have, I have two that will chase a ball, Tag and Ruby, who came with the behavior. And then Tag, I, I put her, I put the behavior on her. And uh, both are disc dogs also. They, they fly, fr- they chase frisbees. And the first thing I'm going to say is I almost never throw a ball for my dogs during the day. Yeah. I will literally go days between throwing a ball for now Ruby that is her only outlet mentally and physically really I mean other than chasing ATV and just doing what she does running around the yard like chasing vultures or what have you but the only organized quote-unquote thing that she does is ball chasing or frisbee chasing but even having that information in my mind I'm not gonna indulge in her psychosis as it were yeah so I have created a game where I've turned ball throwing into a mental game. I, and this is very unique to my, my particular lifestyle. I live on top of a mountain and literally if you stand on my deck, you can see 70 miles and my mountain goes very, very straight down ish. Yes, I mean, it does. I've driven up the side of it. Yeah. And from my deck, I can throw the ball because then I'm like a super amazing thrower because most of the movement of the ball is actually going down. So my 30 foot out throw turns into a 90 foot down because it's traveled down six feet, 60 feet. And I can throw it over the the oak trees that are below Uh me. And so now it becomes scent work. Yes. Go find that thing. Yeah. And I will take a tennis ball and I will chuck it off the mountain and, and I have to do that because Tag will chase Ruby and then there become, there's a kerfuffle and I can't allow kerfuffling. So I'll throw it for Ruby. Tag is should just stare at Ruby. That's plenty good for her because I, I don't want any sort of ball warfare going on. So I'll throw it for Ruby. I'll throw it hell and gone off the mountain as far as I can physically throw it. And it'll take her anywhere from three to ten minutes to return with that ball. Because she that's, and that's she, impressive. Yeah, and she is doing it all with scent. It's amazing that she that, can sniff out her tennis ball in all this brush and rocks and I mean, my, and that she sticks with it. Like mine oh, would get commitment. out of sight and go, "Oh, lizard! Oh, look, something I can yeah. eat! Oh, no, I can roll in that." She's committed. She's com- like it's been. I've thrown it off the mountain, come back inside, sat down because it's hot as shit, and. She comes back up and I go out back to the deck and throw it again and come back inside and <laughs> sit around. Mm-hmm. And it's actually taken her several times. It's taken her like several weeks to return the ball. Um, obviously, she doesn't obsess over it the entire time, but she did eventually find the ball. So so I, e- I even, even allowing for ball throwing, I'm still not totally comfortable with the idea of just throwing it down the road and letting her charge and slam on the brakes and, you know, just look at all the body language going in on that, all the, all the torque and everything. And, and I'm not super neurotic about my dogs and them injuring themselves, but any repetitive behavior is bad. 
for the body. We, right. You don't have to be a genius to figure that one out. And so even though my dogs are chasing ATVs and running around and, and chasing vultures and doing all these things, they're in control of their body and it's not repetitive behavior. It's, it's natural movement over uneven ground, which is what wolves have done for millions of years. Uh-huh. So I don't have a problem with that, but I don't like the amount of torque and twisting with ball throw. And honestly, I think for Labrador retrievers and pit bulls, because of the habitual bad knees that they have, I think ball throwing is just bad for those breeds of dogs because of the knees. It's funny. There's a blogger out there whose actual name I can't remember, which is terrible. I Good just job remember with her. The whole plugging yeah, her I... thing. Poor girl. I know. Well, she's known as the food lady. Okay. She has Woody and Twooty and like seven other dogs. Um, and she takes amazing pictures, but she always uh, called, you know, like throwing the ball and playing fetch. She called it dumb ball because there's no thought involved. You know, it's dumb ball. You throw it, they get it. They bring it back. You throw it, they get it. Yeah. They bring it back. Add, you know, yeah, rinse and forever. repeat. Um, and there has there were a number of times because my border collie was he was neutered at six months of age he is leggy and i keep waiting for that knee injury to come and so there's been a couple of times where i've thrown the ball and of course they they just fling themselves forth into the universe border collies in general (laughs) and hope for the best (laughs) yeah it just and i'm not i'm not joking okay so there's been there's been two there's been two fetch incidences both of which were stomach churning and neither of which did he learn from um one my ex-husband had a, a softball like a regulation girl softball and he threw it as hard as he could this is a fairly athletic human with yeah. a decent arm threw it as hard as he could thinking he would go for distance yeah not not realizing that the border collie could jump oh shit and he caught ow, it at like ow. peak peak oh, velocity after ouch. leaving his hand and he caught it and it made the most god-awful thunk in his oh, mouth good god and he brought it back and spit it out covered in blood of course honestly at that point all he had done was bit his tongue because the ball was so big so oh there was that, but he spit it out and was like, go again, do it again, do it yeah, again, yeah, yeah. do oh, it yeah. again. No. Yeah. Um, and then the other incident was he collided with my other Aussie Trek um, face first over a ball. They both snatched the ball out of the air at the same time. Um, and the Aussie chipped a canine and the border collie lost two incisors and broke another one, oh, like broke another tooth. Um, and again, the most god awful sound. Like we, we both jumped up off the couch, like, oh my god! And each grabbed a dog and was inspecting them. And the dogs are just like, throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. Like they didn't care no. that they had injured themselves. And he's come back limping a couple of times from ball tosses. And I'm like, that's it. There it is. There's the cruciate. Yeah. Um, he's recovered thankfully, but. Yeah, there's just, and you know, because they are such intense animals, rolling the ball is not really quite the same as throwing the ball. But you know, I mean, like, golden retrievers, heck yeah, throw the ball for them, go for it. You know, there are some dogs that can handle it and do just fine with it. There's just, 
I think that there's some breed tendencies and some personalities that I really, really, really wouldn't recommend doing that. Yeah, I mean, just, and, and again, there has to be an incredibly strong window of opportunity that is definitely open and definitely closed. And when it is closed, ball play will never, ever, ever happen. I mean, it can't leak leak in or you're just never going to sit down again if the dog has the ability to go anywhere near a ball. I mean, tag yep. cannot go into my training center. I mean, we're working on this, but she went through a phase where where we were really working on ball drive and we were really working on the disc drive and she couldn't go into the trainer center and function if the flirt pole dead critter was on the ground it had to be flipped up and out of sight or the if a tennis ball thankfully all the tennis balls have been murdered at the dog spot so they're gone but um if there was one in there she would like immediately start using her hypnotic psycho border collie's gaze to make it move and it was very difficult to get her to back into work mode with the presence. Now, I did see an amazing uh, thing at the Lemonade Conference uh, a couple weeks ago. I'm jealous. I know. By Shade. Oh, I'm going to say her name wrong. Shade yes. Witz- Witzel? Witzel? Yes, her. Yep. On marker cues. And she's able... And this is with a Malinois. So, you know, any t- anytime you see somebody doing this with a Malinois, you're like, damn. So she has a Malinois. And, of course, she's using all positive reinforcement. And the Malinois was able to go from bite sleeve to, like, kibble, back to bite sleeve, back to, like, the actual dude running for his life in his little bite suit. Uh-huh. Uh, and transition between those based on, on recognizing the marker cues which is impressive. So we're going to try to start doing that with tag. The problem is I'm honestly not the neatest person when it comes to clean loops and beautiful yeah. uh, organized marker cues. And my marker cues are kind of hit or miss and I'm bad about doubling up. Like go get it. Get it is a marker cue for your treat is running. Go get it. Or your <laughs> ball is running. Go get it. Or your toy is running. Go get it. And, but I'll also say, yes, get it. <laughs> Just, yes. Yeah, my poor dogs. Yeah. They're all like know, dialing you know up Hannah. <laughs> this is the amazing this is the amazing part about dogs is that they don't roll their eyes at us nearly as much as they should. Yeah, they're all like silently trying to figure out how to get to Hannah Brannigan's house. Like, they're like, it. Oh my god. Have you seen the videos with her? They're like, dude, that's what real good trainers look like. We need a new trainer. <laughs> Yeah. Does yeah. she have sheep? We're moving to her house if she has sheep. I am convinced that ninety <laughs> oh percent of the oh that's fine, but try it with XXX breed, um, stems from people who can't get their markers and rewards sorted out. I I'm being one of I like I'm one of them, so I'm not I'm not casting stones, but you know, you you see these amazing training videos and somebody's like, Well that's great, but you should try that with a Saint Bernard and it's like, Well, you know, <laughs> I bet you she could and I bet you she would. Yeah. And and can make it happen. It's just, you know, maybe on your end of the video that things are an issue. Yeah, and I and I do think it ma- I do think it, I mean you it's kind of fascinating because when you look at when you look at the, we've gone so far off track, but what the hell? I know. We'll just, this we'll just is keep what going. Happens. We'll just keep going. This is what happens. <laughs> so, Follow us on this journey. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
where do we start? We start uh-huh. in a different state. So anyway, um, when you look at the dogs that are owned by the positive reinforcement folks, and I'm going to generalize, 90% of those folks own border collies. Uh-huh. They, they are all there because they're not stupid. And when I was a horse trainer, um, so when, when you train dressage horses, everything is about impulsion and impulsion is the power coming from the hind end of the horse. And, and it takes work to, to rock just like a dog. Dogs carry 60% of the weight on their forehand. Horses also carry 60% of the weight on their forehand. So in dressage, you actually need to re- reverse that. You need the horse to carry 60% of their weight on the rear end. And that takes a lot of work. I mean, it takes years and years and years of, of teaching the horse how to balance themselves and building the muscles. So it, an impulsion comes from forward motion. I'm going to try to make this explanation because now it's started down the rabbit hole. We're just going to keep going. Um, <laughs> so it comes from energy. It's, it's an energy. It's the motor. It's the engine of the horse. And a lot of people in dressage own a type of horse called a warm blood. And a warm blood, for lack of a better term, is, is, a, is a breed that largely comes from the combination decades ago of thoroughbred lines with large draft type lines. They were the cart horses of the Middle Ages. And they're big, heavy horses. They're perfect for dressage because they carry your leg. They are huge. And they are very rhythmic, which is what they want. I mean, the longer your stride, the lower the, lack, the likelihood of an error happening in a, in a 60-meter long dressage ring. So, or 100-yard meter long dressage ring. And so they, they, people tend to head towards those horses. And I've ridden a couple, and most of them, the problem that I had with them is you have to put all that energy into them to have it come out in front of Somewhere. you so you could yes. gather it. So I always pulled partly because I couldn't afford a warm blood. They hit the ground at like 5K and I can't afford a $5,000 horse, especially if it's a weanling and I've got to pay for its food for the next three years and pray to every god on earth that it doesn't find a way to snap its leg off in that period of time. So I'd buy thoroughbreds off the racetrack because that was in my price range, which is nearly cheap, nearly free. Mm-hmm. And... And the, and the excuse I used was not that I was broken, pathetic, but the excuse I used is I don't have to pedal this horse. Yep. This horse comes with all the motor. The motor's there. You just have to contain it. And you just have to teach the horse to, to take that motor and put it someplace else. And there's actually a purpose for this because Border Collies, Australian Shepherds, Malinois, they come with the motor already running. Uh-huh. If you're going to use positive reinforcement, the dog has to have drive to want the thing that you are presenting. And if the dog doesn't have some level of a motor already, then you've got to instill it. You've got to do the pedaling. And if you're a, if, and I'm not, and I'm not going to say this without being an ass. If you are a beginner trainer or you're a lazy trainer, and I own the second thing I'm yeah a, I'm, a, I'm a lazy trainer straight up um, me too <laughs> why am I going to get a basset hound and have to do like a ridiculous amount of work to get any sort of drive out of this dog to make it do even the most basic behaviors when I can just buy a border collie and the motor's already revved and running yeah because 
and I said this on Facebook earlier, owning a Border Collie or an Aussie or a Malinois or any of these high-octane breeds is like giving a Formula One racing car to a 16-year-old. Its potential is amazing, but the odds of somebody bleeding at some point in the process are real, real good. Like... (laughs) I had been training and known dogs for many years before I got my border collie thinking I knew what I was getting into. I did not. I did not. Yeah. You know what's Um, so funny? My Aussies are so much more insane than my border collies have ever been. Trade you. No, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) And he's insane in a different way. He's not, he's not, um, he's not off the wall. He's not, uh, like unpredictable or aggressive or anything like that he just doesn't learn in a way that makes sense to me like he is the he is the dog that barked at my car for 20 minutes because i parked it in the driveway differently oh yeah 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 i know yeah so it's it's just and because i'm a lazy trainer i don't want to put the time in to figure it out like i'll be i'll be i'll be brutally honest it's not him it's me (laughs) that's what it says on the note (laughs) yeah and and i was so lucky because i still i mean i got a border collie who like i said i used to go to work for you know 8 10 12 14 hours a day because i was a vet tech and you never knew um and he's still reasonably sane even after those hours in a crate like he's he's still overall a decent dog so i got very lucky that way but i know what you mean in that now that I've trained with these kind of dogs, if I were to bring home a golden retriever, I would probably beat my head bloody against the wall going, why would not you just get up and do something? <laughs> At least if you're doing something, I can tell you yes, no, maybe somewhere in between, maybe today, not tomorrow. Like, but yeah, if you're, if you're not offering me behaviors, I don't know what to do with you. Yeah. It's, I'm like, it's, it's tough. Good dog, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it's so, you know, obviously, so I started obviously with my, the first dog I owned being a Border Collie mix. And then the second dog I owned was a Border Collie Australian Shepherd mix. So and then the third dog I owned was this mystery mix of unknown parentage. But then since then, it's always been German Shepherds, uh, Border Collies, Australian Shepherds, uh, a couple random mixes along the line. And then, and then I went, then I did all this research because I needed a livestock guardian dog on the property. And, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing, I did about a year and a half worth of research. People listen to this. This is how you get a dog. You do the research. Oh. So I did all the research and, and I don't know, I don't remember what the context was, but we were talking about, I don't, we were talking about something and, and I'm like, well, why don't you just call your dog? I mean, <laughs> why are you making such a big deal out of this? Just call your damn dog. And they're like, you can't call a livestock guardian dog. They won't come when they're called. And I'm like, it's a freaking dog. I mean, (laughs) I'm sorry. It's a dog. Well, okay. So the other day I'm down with the sheep and, uh, they're grazing. So when they're grazing, Billy, my livestock guardian dog kind of lounges around randomly all over the property, but I also let the chickens out and she still sometimes feels the need to, chew a little bit on the chickens and so I wanted to make sure she was around she'd kind of disappeared usually she just I mean she's chasing invisible monsters so I call her I'm like Billy Billy I'm just calling her 
and I can't see her. And I turn around and she's 20 feet behind me and she's looking at me like, dude, I'm, I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm <laughs> right here. So I look her in the eye and I'm like, Billy, come here. And she's like, yeah, late human, get off your lazy ass and come over here. Now, having said that, she does have a really good recall. I mean, I've, I've called her off of deer and I can call her when we're on the ATV and, and change directions. And if I'm at the house, I can call her. But obviously 20 feet, she felt that that was close enough. <laughs> I'm already here, lady. How much closer do I need to be? Whereas, of course, the border collies would smash into me. Yeah. So, you know- yeah, you can see, though, that. When you get a dog like that and somebody says, yeah, just use treats. Billy's like, she takes a treat three times and just goes, okay, you're trying to poison me. I don't want that anymore. And then she turns into a white puddle of fur on the ground and that's where she stays. You know, and it's, it was funny because, so I had an Aussie first and generally like if you, if you have any sort of relationship with your Aussie and you go for a hike and when I was in New York, there was a lot of places that I could go off leash, which is one thing I miss. Your Aussie is going to hang out probably within 20 feet of you, 20 to 30 feet. Um, you know, and if they're not there, they can see you and you can see them and they'll, they check back in on an obnoxious level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ruby doesn't. And the first time I took Tag off leash, the Border Collie, he took off. Oh, really? Like a shot. And I was like, um... Uh, that's not right I, well, now what? I own a dog you're not following the rules come here what? read the book on dogs I, I'm not sure what to do now because um okay and you know eventually he came back and I put the leash on and I went well that's never ever 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 going to happen again ever good to know all right it never occurred to me to actually train him to be off leash that's just ridiculous um radical idea right so then one day he was like three, four years old, I got it in my head that, all right, you know, he's matured. Let's try this again. So I let him off leash and took a mental Xanax and just waited (laughs) and trying to keep reminding myself that, you know, border collies work differently than Aussies. They're meant to work three fields away from you out of sight and, and still do their job. Yes. Um, so I let him go. And he did. He got, we were probably a a field and a half apart. So, I don't know, about four and a half acres away from me. And I was like, all right, well, here's the moment of truth. And I went to turn to run away from him and call him to make myself more exciting because I figured if I'm going, I'm going all in. Yeah. So I turned and I went to run before I started calling him. And as I took a breath to call his name, he went zipping past me. (laughs) And I was like, oh, we're going this way. Let's go this way. Let's go this way. Let's go. Oh, so you were paying attention because when I did it, he had just looked up to, to see where I was, but then had gone back to whatever it was he was doing. And somehow with his like border collie brain heard my shoulders start to turn (laughs) and was already off like I I maybe got like three steps and was taking a breath and he went flying past me and at this one I was like okay this is literally driving I've been driving a Ford Fiesta my entire life and this is a Maserati and I'm not sure what to do now (laughs) 
And we had a great hike after that because then I could, you know, trust you that knew. he was yeah. paying attention to me. But it's still, it's one of those things that, like, out here, if they're off leash, it's, you know, breaking the law. And I need to know that my, my <laughs> dog will be near me so that I can get a hold of them before, you know, the Karen, yeah, before Karen on the on the path gets real, real angry. Sorry to all the Karens out there. Um, it is. Um so I can't really do that here, but it was it was just interesting because it's a different, a totally different dynamic. It's a totally different dynamic, um, and so yeah. to to wind it back to what we started talking about, I think that there are some dogs that when they're puppies and you're teaching them play, there's some aspects of their personality and their learning methods that you kind of have to take into account for down the road, um, and it's hard because it's not. Like if that's your first time having that breed or if you're a first time dog owner who didn't know any better, um, that's a lot to ask. That's a lot to ask for them to know that and consider what might happen in the future. Yeah, I know it, it absolutely, absolutely is. And, and, and it, it, and puppies are, it, and so I read the cop, uh, I'm going to this up again, the Coppinger's book on kind of genetics and what, what we find in our puppies. And I don't, have you read that book? Oh my God, it's freaking amazing. I don't it. think I have. Well, it'd be good if I remember the name, but shockingly I didn't. And so anyway, uh, they, what they did is they studied, they studied genetics in dogs and they actually had a ranch where they back east somewhere at some college. See, I'm getting this wrong across the board. And, <laughs> and they, they actually imported Marema sheepdogs into the United States. And they had Marema sheepdogs and they had a sheep ranch and they had border collies and they were raising all these puppies and studying everything and they're ethologists. So they, it's fascinating. They were talking about the, the predatory sequence and how border collies own this piece of the, the predatory sequence, you know, the eye and the stalk. And then mm-hmm. you think about it and the bird dogs that point, those pointer dogs, I guess they're called pointers. They own the, the eye part of it and a little teeny bit of the stock, but that's it. Whereas the Labrador retrievers, the retrievers own, have the part that is the bite, the grab bite, but not the kill bite because you can't have poke holes in your duck because that is embarrassing. We serve it to your guests. And isn't that so... <laughs> like tenderizing? Isn't that yeah. how that works? I don't think that's right. I think you're not supposed to have poke holes in your ducks. I've never owned a, a Labrador retriever, so I'm going to have a lot of other people tell me, but I'm suspecting poke holes in the ducks is, is tacky. So there's it's all these different pieces of the prey, the predatory sequence. And what they found, and and I had an N of one, so I can't, I can't speak to this, is that even how these puppies play when they're puppies, the border collies with the two segments of the prey drive, as part of it versus the livestock guardian dogs and marama sheep dogs who have zero parts of the predatory drive because you can't have predatory drive in a dog who's supposed to watch prey animals all day is they play completely different is is uh-huh. the behaviors and we know this because obviously most of us don't hang out with marama sheep dogs um they're pretty rare and even the one i had is a grand total of one and she was raised by border collies so who knows how what they changed about her pred- their predatory sequence or what have you but we know from watching say uh the mo- one of the sec- one of the most popular breeds here in southern arizona is the pit bull type yeah. and we see we see zillions of them and they are they have a play style that is somewhat different in that they're extraordinarily loud 
they the ones I've met have just been they have this big echoey head that's round and makes amazing noises and you know my dogs can be playing and you'll not hear a sound it's just silence except for the <laughs> slamming of them slamming against the walls and the pits you get a pit bull in there and it's like rawr, rawr, and it sounds like there's a murder happening um and so I do I do think I mean, that's to me fascinating is when we see these breed characteristics. I always joke that I've never seen a golden retriever that didn't have a leash in its mouth. Like, never. Yeah. They, yeah. they all walk themselves. And so, you know, I, just, I always kind of ask my clients, I'm like, study your dog, man. Watch your dog. Because that is the coolest thing. You're living with a predator in your house. How freaking cool is that? Yeah. And you're raising a baby predator. It's so cool. And you get to watch what parts of play your baby predator likes the most. So as an example, when we were playing disc, when I first started playing disc with Tag and Ruby, I've got Tag the Border Collie, I've got Ruby the, the batshit crazy Aussie. And <laughs> Ruby, they were both over a year when I started playing uh, disc with, with them both. And Ruby had already had a long history of playing disc with her former owners. Tag had zero. Tag, Tag <laughs> would drop the Frisbee and then walk about seven to 10 feet away from the Frisbee, lie down and stare at the Frisbee. And if you threw another Frisbee, then she would take that Frisbee to the first location of the first Frisbee and put it down and stare at it until she had all the Frisbees in their little herd of Frisbees that she would then watch. And it really took a long time for her to understand that she actually needs to bring the Frisbee to me for it to be thrown that was very very complicated for her whereas for ruby ruby actually is and this again comes from her being a cattle bred dog i mean australian shepherds are different from border collies border collies move stock with their eye they they creep out sheep (laughs) by staring at them and the sheep get all like whoa dude i think i'm dog staring at me fuck i think it's oh we we should I think it might eat me. We should leave. You know, yeah. that's that's how they control sheep. But, it's not the whirling dervish method like later was using earlier. Yeah, like, because she has to use that because she's not bred to move sheep. She's bred to move cattle. And if a dog stares at cattle, the cattle stand around chewing their cud and staring at the cow going, Bessie, do you see that, that dog there? Yeah, I see the dog over there. weird looking cow. Okay, we're just going to ignore it. And they do. So until the Aussie's up in their face biting them, they're like, oh, oh. That was for us. They won't move. And you have to use body English, as it were, constantly to be moving cattle because they move off of movement, not off of eye. And so the difference is I've got a border collie who will stare at Frisbees hoping that they'll psychotically, they'll, they'll choose to move on their own if you simply stare at them long enough. And I've got an Aussie who the second she returns with the Frisbee shoves it at you and then yeah. immediately wants to play tug with it. That's yeah. her game. Fetch is cool, but tug is cooler. She uh-huh. wants to get into a fight. She wants to, she's like, let's throw down. Let's get into a war. And so for her, I had to start using one of those ropes on a, or balls on a rope to switch yeah. out the Frisbee. So I'd have her bring the Frisbee. I'd present the rope. She'd drop it. We'd play tug, which was what her really spun her wheels. And then we could get her going after the Frisbee again. And so it was just fascinating. And again, this is an N of one. I mean, every dog, I mean, I don't want to get mail from one of our, all one of our listeners saying, I own a Porter Collie and she can do that. I own an Australian Shepherd and she can do that. I understand that. These are generalizations based on the behavior of what the dog is bred to do. And I have 
stock bred border collies and i believe that uh, ruby is definitely out of working dog lines just looking at her she's certainly not show lines no so <laughs> so so even those differences that you that you look at and then start putting it together is tag is staring at the frisbees because she's trying to use her eye to make the move not terribly successful ruby wants to 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 get into a war she wants to start a fight because that's how you move the cattle that's that's what she's bred to do she's bred to go in there and grab them and so you know when they're faced with sheep which are really too easy to move then that's when you get all the wearing back and forth it's because they're like okay i've got to use movement i've got to use movement i've got to use movement and it looks manic but it's not they're just moving a different kind of stock well and it's funny too because the first time i took um the first time i took tag the border collie herding it broke his brain because his genetics, his genetics said, make a move. And then his genetics said, oh my God, they're moving. Make them stop. Make them stop. They got to control. Yep. They and then control first. Yep. his genetics said, it was like two little angels on his shoulders. Uh-huh. Make a move. Make a move. Make a move. Yep. Oh God, make them stop. Yep. They're not moving. Make a move. Control make them. a move. Yep. Yeah. And so he went from. Hawks to, to head. Hawks to yep. head. Hawks to head. Hawks to head. Yep. And yep. the sheep are like. Oh, for fuck's sake, what do you want? They're pinned against you know? <laughs> the fence going, what? Why are you here? And he's, he's sitting there going, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, and, but I mean, once we got it sorted out where you can make yeah. them move and make them stop and you don't have to do it from two different directions. Yeah. Then I, then he got injured and couldn't do it anymore. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> Isn't that the case? <laughs> <laughs> mm. Mm. I'm like that's that's great universe. Thanks so much for that. Yeah. Appreciate that. You're the best. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh my God. But it was just it's just interesting to to see where that that instinct comes in, <clears throat> and and it does. It sometimes manifests itself in a way that you just didn't anticipate in the real world, like chasing ball, like that obsessive need to both chase things and make things stop moving and to control and control the environment control yeah yeah we could go down a whole new rabbit hole about why border collies are insane because they can't control their environment because no one can um but we probably shouldn't so (laughs) we should probably instead be organized and wrap up so any last comments or anything along those lines um what i will say is when it comes to puppies do do some research about um, different different ways you can play with your puppy and things that might come of that um, or be an issue. Um, and really kind of try to brainstorm ways and, okay, how could this turn on breed traits that I may or may not like? Um, yeah, like if you have a Jack Russell Terrier and you think it's cute that they, you know, put their feet up on you to to reach you for attention, you know, think down the line of, oh, these guys love to boing and jump in the air. And is this the start of something that I maybe don't want? Yeah. Um, and maybe you don't care and that's fine. Or maybe you're like, well, I can deal with that when it happens. And that's fine, too. But still, you know, just just be aware of it, like. Try to try to think through that whole process of how it's going to play out down the road. Um, yes. My favorite my favorite story is my last Aussie. Um, 
and I think I've told you this one before, but he, he jumped up. He was a puppy. He used to jump up. And my ex um, read one dog training article somewhere once um, and knew that the best way to solve that was by kneeing them in the chest. Hmm. Um, yeah. Have you ever seen a 60-pound Aussie jump straight in the air, face level, four feet away from you? Yeah, I do it all the time. Well, they're not my, my Aussie's nowhere near that weight, but yes. Yeah, so that's what he She's learned how to do. He's a pogo stick, yeah. Yeah, he learned how to pogo stick, and he could still reach your face because he was long. So he could still reach out and, like, muzzle punch you in the face, <laughs> but you couldn't touch him. It was like the equivalent of Yeah, now there's no the defense. <laughs> no, it was like the equivalent of the tall kid putting his hand on your forehead, and you can't hit him, you know? Like... So just think through your training method because it can have, yes, absolutely. Unintended <laughs> consequences. Um, well, yeah. if you, if you own a breed, I mean, it's, it's different when you own a, when you own a mix. Cause it, and honestly, here's the thing about mixes. I don't care if your dog's half border collie and half Labrador retriever. Those traits are a jumbled mess. You're, you're not mm -hmm. going to, you're don't anticipate anything. Honestly, you're just, it's yeah. a wreck. So yeah. don't say, Oh, I see this trait. No, you're just no. seeing random. You just dog have traits. dog. Yeah. So, but if you do have a dog and it's, and it has certain traits that are still probably in, that are in the breed. So we're talking, um, terrier traits in terriers and retrieving traits that are still in some of the retrievers and herding <laughs> traits that are still in some of the herding dogs. You, talk to your breeder and talk, make sure that you're in communication with other people with these breeds so that you understand what, what the breed trait is. But then you also have to look at the dog in front of you. Dice wouldn't play with any, he, he's terrified of like movement. It's like he can't tolerate movement and he's a freaking border collie. So he didn't read the border collie manual. He, he ate it, I guess when he was a puppy. And <laughs> so, but start with the breed because the breed will tell you things. And, and I mean, yes, drill down to the individual in front of you, but there's a reason that we created breeds in the first place is that genetics tends to run true. And if your dog comes from 1500 generations of ratter, I'm going to go on a limb and say it wants to drag, take its toy shake the shit out of it and then pull all the stuffing out. So instead yeah. of keeping buying like the nuclear toy that costs $700 that he can't destroy, say, you know what, this is what he wants to do. So why don't I just give him a toy, open it up with a pair of scissors, pull all the stuffing out and fill it with toilet paper or something that who cares if he ingests a little bit, let him do the thing that, that spins his wheels. Yeah. That's, yep. that's what they're bred for. So just, yeah, and just know that just and do know it. the yeah. yeah, and know the play style and know, you know, like if you have a dachshund, you're probably going to want to build a digging pit at some point in your yard. Um like just yeah. Yeah. Don't <laughs> don't fight the thing that you probably got the dog for in the first place. Like yeah, because good traits follow along with the bad traits. I mean, the traits yeah. that we, quote unquote, don't like to see in these dogs, the sensitivity to the noise of the border collies, the manic insanity of the Aussies, that was put in by breeders for a reason. And they're side effects. They're they're part of the dog and they're part of, of every piece of the dog. And so I would suggest that we absolutely start in, in creating play and food drive right from the get-go right from the minute your puppy arrives is start creating the idea that i can work for food and i can work for play and that there's a there's a transactional thing going on here and build that drive so your dog when you take it to the puppy class doesn't just look at you 
and melt onto the onto the floor. You can build drive even into the Basset Hounds and the Sharpays uh-huh. of the world, but you've okay. got to start when they're wee little pup nuggets and show them how to work for a living. And yeah. you don't start that when, you know, they're graduating college. Oh, by the way, you need a job now. You, you They should have been doing homework when they were kids or, you know, cleaning their right. room or, you know, same thing with right. the puppy. They need to start off. And I'm not saying they have to, you know, drag around boxes of rocks, but they should understand that, oh, play comes with rules. I have yeah. to drop it or I have to leave it or that it ends or, you know, that I can't, I can't regrip on your hand for some reason. You keep ending the game when I regrip on your hand. No, you're not allowed to regrip at all. You, you grab a grip, you hold that grip and you don't let go and regrip and I don't get poke holes in my hand. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think that's very, I think that's fantastic. Okay. Awesome. We will, um, see you guys all next week. And, um, I think that's it. We are going to have, we are creating a Facebook page that you guys can reach Maggie and no, Jesus Christ, yeah. Maggie, no, myself, and, yeah, Maggie, myself yeah. and Emily all on, well, I don't know if Maggie's on Facebook right now. So at least Emily and I will be available on the Facebook page. It will be named ideally your dog's best life. We'll see how that plays out. I haven't even started yet. Um, but there will be a Facebook <laughs> group and that way you can contact us and with any questions or any complaints but the complaints all go to emily yeah. um the, yeah yeah the compliments come to me because yep. i you know i just can't take i can't get any complaints so you, anyway you thank, border collie you <laughs> so thank all one of you guys for listening we absolutely we'll see you guys next week all right bye okay since it looks like show notes are beyond my pay grade i'm going to end each one of these uh podcast episodes is with the kind of show notes done as an addendum at the end. So the blogger that Emily refers to earlier in the podcast is called WooTube, W-O-O-T-U-B-E dot net by a woman who calls herself the food lady. Uh, the book that I referenced earlier by the Coppingers is called Dogs, A New Understanding of Canine Origin, Behavior, and Evolution, and it's by Raymond and Lorna Coppinger. And I do absolutely recommend that you guys read that. It's amazing in depth just fantastic. Anyway, that's how we're going to end these going forward is kind of like a little uh, addendum so that we don't have to do show notes since I don't know how. And uh, thank you very much for listening and we will see you all next week. Thanks a lot. Have a great day.